Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On NFL Draft. Your daily podcast on the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome inside another edition of Locked On NFL Draft. John Ledger hosting today. Luke Easterling's tending to a sick wife, so we are covering the bases for him. But we've got a great, I've got a great uh, person here uh, today to talk uh, NFL Draft with. Uh, most of you are probably familiar with this por- at this point with Matt Harmon. Writes for NFL.com, has done a number of, of, of impressive pieces on wide receivers and work on wide receivers in the past, uh, both for the draft and in NFL content. Always want to hear his thoughts and his takes on receivers. Does a lot of data work with them uh, and his reception perception work. So, Matt, how are you doing tonight? Looking forward to having you on the show, man. Oh, John, I'm good. Uh, it's a it's a fun time of the year. I, you know, in football season, you get caught up on like the weekly shot clock, and uh, you know, you got to get pieces out this this point, this point, this point. You got to have like a take ready for every stupid fantasy player out there to consume. <laughs> <laughs> and now this is the time of year I like. I like to, uh, you know, I mean, I love football season, but I also love like studying the draft and taking like long view points through the NFL. So this is a this is a fun time. I'm I'm happy to join you tonight. Yeah, thanks, man. I, I, I couldn't be happier to have you on here and, and just get your thoughts on receivers. We told people we're doing an all-receiver show. We're not talking about anything else. You know, this is the only position that matters tonight, and I think fans are going to really enjoy that and, and anticipate hearing your takes on a lot of the receivers in this it's class. the only position that matters That's ever, right. John. <laughs> ever. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts because I think that right now the way most people see the draft, Mike Williams from Clemson uh, and Corey Davis from Western Michigan are – you know that tier one and then really for for the for the majority of analysts i think at this point it seems like they're kind of alone at tier one based on the receivers that you've looked at so far do you see that as being the truth those two guys a tier above everybody else or is the line a little more blurred there than the common narrative that seems to be sitting out there i i think that's accurate and i think that's fair uh i think uh, of players that you can really have high hopes can become, you know, true number one receivers, which, you know, there aren't 32 true number one receivers in the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, you know, there, there are certainly not that many that you can, you know, funnel a passing offense through. Uh, I think these are the two guys that have the potential to be that. I would I would include John Ross in that equation, but my, of course, with the injury questions, I don't think he's going to, uh, and, you know, those still have to bear out and everything like that through the draft process, which is important. Um, but w- once we get through that, we might know more about him. I would think from a talent perspective, he has the, the potential to be up there with those guys. But right now, yeah, I would say that those two, Corey Davis and Mike Williams, kind of stand alone. Let's talk about Corey Davis and Mike Williams because I do want to get back to John Ross. Luke and I talked about a little bit about him on our last podcast, and uh, I think there's some 
I'm just curious to get some more of your thoughts on him. But let's talk about Mike Williams and Corey Davis for a second. You know, to me, when I've described the two of them, it's a really a different, a complete difference in styles um, because you you have Davis who separates much better. I feel like on the ground uh, as a receiver, as a route runner, um, as someone who's very nuanced in what they do at the position. And not that Mike Williams isn't, but he doesn't. Uh, to me, he, when I watched him, he didn't have the same degree of separation skill that Corey Davis did. But in the air, man, I mean, Mike Williams does some freaky stuff that you just don't see every year. Do you think that's a fair assessment of those two guys if we're categorizing them? Or again, are the lines a little more blurred and, and you see both guys as dipping into both sides of that, maybe, you know, separating in the air, separating in the ground? No, I think that's completely a fair categorization. Um, speaking on Corey Davis first, to you know, if if you put you know put a gun to my head or whatever, I would think I'd I'd prefer Davis as a player mm-hmm. over Williams, even though I think like like you mentioned, these two are so different stylistically that it isn't a huge it isn't a huge reach for me if somebody likes Williams over Davis. I'm not going to fight to the death for that one. Uh, but I do prefer Davis and it's because of what you mentioned, you know, it's the separation ability. If any of your listeners aren't familiar with reception perception, what I do is I go in and over six game sample size for college prospects, eight games for NFL players. I track every single route that they run in that game. Uh, you know, no matter whether they were targeted or not and track whether they got open on the, each particular route, e- what type of route it was, what coverage they were facing. And Davis this year has the second best in the class success rate versus man coverage with 79.6 percent. Uh, that's in above the 90th percentile for all college prospects I've chartered over the last two years. You know, he's incredibly impressive in that regard. Hmm. Uh, but what you mentioned you know the playing the ball in the air which is William's strength they, that, I don't think that's Davis's strength and, and to me that that, that makes him a, a very Sammy Watkins like player uh, I just the first prospect profile that I've put out this year which I partnered this this offseason with the fantasy footballers and you can find the reception perception there if you actually just go to receptionperception.com it'll link you back to the content you can find the Davis piece there mm-hmm. and I used a lot of data points to show why I think Davis and Watkins are 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 so similar and you know Watkins is an incredible player who separates all over the field um and I, of course if he was ever healthy <laughs> you would right. see that more often right so I like Davis a lot um and then circling back to Williams you mentioned the separation thing and you know I said this on the Roto World Football podcast recently and there's really no way for me to say this without sounding like an elitist so I apologize for saying it right off the bat <laughs> but my thing about like you know, as working with the NFL, I get to I get to get access to the all 22 and like I, you know, I get to chart. That's how I chart all these routes. It's impossible to do that on, you know, just watching mm-hmm. a, a broadcast view. And I think when you watch, you know, draft breakdowns, a great site. But I think when you ro- watch like, you know, cut ups and, and this even happens when you're watching games uh, like actual just NFL games and just watching the broadcast on Sundays and you see a guy make a lot of contested catches. I think you can fool yourself into thinking that, well, he's making all these contested catches because he never separates and I don't know that that's necessarily true Mm. Uh, I think that Davis is I mean Williams excuse me is a guy that he does have an above average success rate versus man press and zone coverage in my charting methodology and you know he's not going to create the wide separation that Davis does but at the same time you know I think he separates on slant routes he separates on post routes and and nine routes and you know you, you you hear a lot of a prospect doesn't run the full route tree or whatever and you know i think that that's fair for williams i don't think he's going to be the most nuanced separator uh, you know complicated dig or out routes or anything like that but 
sometimes that's all you need, man, to funnel uh, 120 plus targets to a wide receiver. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey is a player that I, I was just actually charting today. Mm. Uh, and he runs just a lot of those in-breaking routes over and over again, and that's where he gets separation, whereas he might not on other patterns. So it's a long-winded answer, but, I, I mean, obviously Williams' strength is winning the ball in the air, and he has one of the best contested catch conversion rates for me. But I do think his separation ability is good enough. Yeah, great points there. And if you haven't checked out that Corey Davis piece that Matt was talking about, you know, check that out because, you know, fantasy footballers does some great stuff, and I think that piece there uh, was – I read it yesterday and really enjoyed kind of the detailed view that it gave uh, of Davis as a route runner because I think that it captured really well who he is as a player. Um, I mean, I could ask you about both those guys all day because I think they're really, really impressive. Um, and I, I agree with you that they're a tier above everybody else, I think. But you've kind of mentioned maybe John Ross being in that tier. And one of the biggest things I've learned from you, Matt, is that trump cards really matter. And when I watch John Ross, he has a clear trump card. I mean, the dude is a burner deep. I, when I hear that he's running four threes in that recent article that came out, he's running four threes in his combine prep, that doesn't surprise me. You know what I mean? That's what I expect to see him run uh, because he's that fast on tape. What about the rest of his game, the nuances, the underneath routes, some of the short to intermediate stuff in that area of the field? Is that stuff as impressive as you expected it to be on tape? And are you concerned at all about a small receiver who seems to play small on tape and not make a lot of contested catches. Obviously, his size, maybe that isn't going to be his forte, but when you have a situation with a small receiver like that, does that concern you, and do you see enough detail and nuance to his game underneath to be excited about him as a round one player if the health checks out? Yeah, I, I do think you see enough of him as a separator in the earlier parts of the field in the short to intermediate game to complement that deep threat ability. You know, I think that there's when you look at small receivers, I think there's, you know, several layers of the axis that they fall on. And, you know, there's obviously the Deshaun Jackson, the guys that mostly are just burners, even though they offer good enough ability on other routes. Uh, to be more than just a deep threat. But then you also have, you know, like the Odell Beckham and T.Y. Hilton. And I would argue that there are other players in that regard as well. But those are the two main ones that I would say, like, yes, they are deep threats, but they also uh, they also offer more than just that. They run clean routes throughout the field. And I'm not saying that John Ross is going to become Odell Beckham or anything, but I think he's more along that archetype than you would say uh, along the Jackson one. You know, he has... Uh, he has above average success rate versus coverage scores for me on on out routes, dig routes, curl routes, comeback routes, the flat route. You know, I think that he can separate through all levels of the field. Um, so I don't think that's the question. Now, you mentioned how is he going to perform in the NFL against press coverage or in contested situations? And, you know, I will absolutely admit that you don't see a lot of contested catches from him. Uh, in fact, he only has two across the six games that I charted, uh, which is, which is well below the average that you normally see for these college receivers. But, and I think that's, but that also kind of speaks to a positive to his game too, that he has such great release moves off the line of scrimmage you know he didn't face a ton of big physical press corners in the pack 12 but his 73.2 percent success rate on press coverage really is impressive to me um i i think that he absolutely can win with technique um he does have to play better through tight coverage and in physical contact but at the same time i think that technical balance that he has is going to be something that helps him a lot and and again if the health questions check out which i don't know that they will based on the long rap sheet he has there uh, to me, I think he's definitely a round one player. 
I'm curious because uh, his games against Alabama and Colorado were probably the games where he faced the best corner play. I thought, you know, both those teams with really high quality tandems at corner. Um, and I thought in, in both physical, you know, physical groups of corners too. And those were two of his, statistically speaking, least productive games. Now, I thought against Colorado, I know he had a couple drops in that game and. Browning was far from stellar and probably missed some opportunities uh, for him in that game. Alabama, and again, you've probably seen him from the All-22, and maybe you've seen a little bit more, but I thought he struggled a little bit in that game, particularly, like you said, in routes down the field. You know, It seemed like physicality kind of knocked him off his route a little bit um, in those situations. How did he grade out for you in those two games? Because I think when the naysayers point to you know concerns with him, and I've kind of been among those, not that I don't think he's a good player, but that I you know struggle to, to reconcile him with round one in my mind how do you how does he grade out in, in those two games if you happen to look at those two as compared you know because I think they get the most flack did he grade out as well in those ones uh for you were there anything there that you thought caused some concern yeah I, I do have the Alabama game in my database so I can speak to that one for sure and, and I think you mentioned obviously the the disruption at, at the quarterback position mm-hmm. I think that's a big reason that the statistics don't bear out a big mm-hmm. game there you know Browning definitely got rattled in those games and you see you see Browning get rattled especially later on early, or later on in the season especially uh, and and I think that that's definitely a concern of why he didn't you know produce right. more from a raw statistics perspective uh, definitely some missed opportunities but the, the criticisms there of Ross are fair. Uh, I do think that, you know, some physical contact and disruption can throw him off his game. However, when it comes to projecting him as a round one player, these deep threats to me, you know, I think they they often get um, kind of posterized as like risky picks or whatever. But at the same time, you know, and this isn't this isn't going to sound good, but this is the same reason I liked a player like Devin Smith a couple of years ago, Mm because to me, uh, he projected so well as a deep threat that if that's all he can do. In the back half of round one, I'm fine taking that on mm-hmm. if he just becomes a clear tactical value. I mean, even when players like Mike Wallace haven't been good in the NFL, their tactical value yes. uh, has been incredible. So if that's all that Ross ever becomes, I'm fine with that. Uh, but then I do think he has such potential to develop more in those areas mm-hmm. that if I end up getting a number one receiver out of it, then it's it's a lot of it's a lot of gravy because, like you mentioned, trump cards matter, and I do think that Ross has one. Uh, the, the lack of statistics against competition like Colorado and Alabama is certainly uh, something to be mindful of. But the fact that he just, you know, in most other games was a completely dominant force is 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 impressive to me. And I think, think it speaks to that trump card. Yeah, that, that's really good stuff. And I, I, I agree with you that in, in certain situations, you know, I think about him in a, in a Green Bay offense and, and something like that. And I think about him you know, uh, being able to stretch the field there. And I just really, you know, that's a situation for him. I think something like those along those lines where he doesn't have to be absolutely everything. He needs to go to Carolina, man. Yeah. He needs to go to Carolina so bad or Carolina needs to get him so bad. That's a, yeah. Yeah. That, that's a really good fit there because I mean, he and Cam Newton would have a field day. Imagine if Browning would have put as many balls on, on target as Newton would down the field. I mean, he could add how many touchdowns he have this year, 17 and he could add, a whole heck of a lot more as well. Um, I'm really impressed with Ross's athletic ability, and another guy that I'm very impressed with their athletic ability um, is Taewon Taylor, uh, the receiver from Western Kentucky. Um, I am not as big a fan of him overall, as I think you and I have kind of talked about a little bit, as some other people are when he's getting uh, some of the buzz that that he's generating right now, uh, because I really felt like when I watched him on tape, he was a very good athlete who definitely, I think, is going to test really well at the combine and get people excited and probably continue to elevate his stock. 
I didn't think that he was consistent as a route runner, if that makes sense. I thought that at times, I thought that he separated really well, and and I was like, oh, well, that's a great route break. You know, he's breaking at the right point. Um, You know, he's sinking into his cuts and things like that. And then at other times, it seemed like that focus kind of waned, and I didn't know whether it was a consistency thing and just he needs to focus and be more nuanced snap to snap um, or what it was. So that was one concern I had with him, and the other one was that I felt like, physicality bothered him like in general like he alligator armed passes over the middle and I thought he slid down after the catch rather than take on contact ran out of bounds every opportunity he got and it was consistent over a couple of the games I watched so I'm curious of what your takes were on him because I know you kind of like him as a receiver and I think athletically he, he projects to something bigger if he can kind of get rid of some of that physic those physicality concerns um and, and focus a little bit more on you know being the type of receiver he is but did you see enough from him to convince yourself you know this is going to be a high day two type of pick and, and what were your you know kind of favorite points to his game I, I do like taylor an awful lot i think there are other analysts that that like him more than i do uh, i think all, like as you laid out there there are also analysts that like him less than i do um i, I think that he is definitely a, a small receiver that wins in the big game though he does have an over 76 percent contested catch rate for me which is nice um but you mentioned he's not super dynamic after the catch i mean he's not he's not one of the best players in that regard in this class and there's actually a lot of good players after the catch to me uh in this in this year's draft so that's one point of concern i think that's absolutely a fair one to bring up he could be more physical there um across the route tree there's not a ton of concerning points to me i mean obviously he's a he's a vertical threat uh but he's much like Corey davis you know he's successful on on vertical nine routes but he's not above average success rate on post routes and you know you and i went back and forth on this a couple of days ago about you know varying up his technique and using more deception at the stem of routes and I think that Taylor could serve to get better at that as well um I think Taylor's a a day two pick for sure um whether it's round two round three whatever I I don't really know it's tough to project receivers once you get to the second Mm -hmm. day and especially into the third day but I think Taylor's a really good player I think he's got pretty good potential but like I said I think there's other other people that that like him more than I do do you see Taylor as more effective out of the slot or outside? Are you worried about him at all outside? Do you like his skill set more in the slot, or do you feel like he one of his strengths is that he can play both spots and not lose a whole lot to his game? You know, I think that he's going to be one of those players that uh, that can do a little bit of both. I think you're going to want to move him inside for tactical reasons. Um, but I think he can also play outside. Now, he's one of these receivers, and, and this might come up as we talk about other players, but you know, the last few years, really starting with Kevin White uh, a few years ago in the 2015 draft, I've been paying attention to receivers that you see line up on one side of the field almost exclusively when they play outside. Mm. And Taylor is one of those guys. And in his reception perception sample, he had 82.5% of his snaps come at right wide receiver, uh, only 1.6 at left wide receiver, and then 14.6 others in the slot. So I, I think that those guys face a bigger learning curve because, you know, John, how often do you see in the NFL a receiver stick to one side of the field? Not it's very, often. Yeah. it's very, very rare. You know, even if you're strictly playing the X or strictly playing the flanker, you're moving from right, you're moving to left. Um, it's a big learning curve. I think that's been a big reason why players like Kevin White, even when he's been healthy, um, has has not uh, has not played all that well. Because I think that when you're very, you've got a, you know, it's a muscle memory thing. If you're learning to to break at the the point of an out when you're going on the right or the left, it's different. It going, mm-hmm. you're varying your release moves is different. So I think that's if Taylor's going to 
not succeed outside, that might be uh, the biggest reason why and why he might become mainly a slot receiver. But I think tactically you do want to have him at both spots. Yeah, and that's good stuff. I, I kind of agree with you on that one too, I think, as well. Uh, I think that you know, inside in the slot he can be really productive as a pro as he becomes more and more nuanced, I think. But, um, yeah, he, he gives you speed. There's no question there. I mean, I, I think that he's going to have a very high ceiling in terms of what he's going to be able to accomplish in the NFL um, just because of his athletic profile. I expect him to test pretty well. Um, Cooper Cup has, has been uh, somewhat of a polarizing figure, which uh, may be surprising because, you know, he's an FCS guy, put up good production. You know, what's there not to like, right? He's a, he's a grit receiver. Uh, he's a Patriots guy. Um, but <laughs> when I watched him at the Senior Bowl, I didn't really see, you know, I, I, I had heard this is the best re- receiver we've seen in Mobile in years, and, you know, and I hadn't watched him at all. So I was like, oh, great. Like, I'm excited to see him. You know, I, I just I went in on particular on purpose, you know, just kind of clean slate on him um and i just didn't see anything that was really to me like that stood out not that i think he'll be a bad guy or is undraftable i just didn't see any i didn't see any standout traits i didn't see any trump cards with him i think he is a a detailed and nuanced player uh but i didn't see athletically a a whole lot to get excited about uh i don't think he necessarily played big when i was when he was there and i've i've gotten into his tape a little bit since then but i'm still kind of working mostly on my impressions for mobile is the way i'm describing him similar to what you saw on tape or do you see a guy with a lot to be excited about that should lock himself in as a day two pick at the combine yeah i don't i don't get the cooper cup thing uh, at least yeah. in terms of like bit what big media uh sites are are mm-hmm. are putting on i say that i'm i write for nfl.com so whatever <laughs> <laughs> but i mean so but i mean i yeah i mean i talked about this uh, with uh with daniel jeremiah in the office and like i just was like yeah dude i just i don't get it i don't see what you're seeing there um you know he's he's a slot receiver to me strictly mm-hmm. i don't think he can win outside i mean you saw him get dog walked by cornerbacks at like youngstown state and portland state when he played outside mm-hmm. i mean these you know no name schools guys that are going to be you know grocers or some point or whatever i don't know you know not not disparaging grocers the world needs grocers <laughs> but you know he he took 78.6 percent of his snaps from the slot in the games that i sampled and that's pretty much where he was successful his his success rate First man coverage is below average at 59.1%. That's quite poor. Um, you know, he's not an elite separator, and he's not a guy that I, I don't think he's going to win vertically in the NFL at all. His contested catch conversion rate is the second best in his class, so that's positive. I do think he is tough in those situations and wins the ball um, in the air on those plays. But at the same time, so I, I, I don't know. I just – to me, I don't, I don't really see it with with Cup at all. I think he's a day three player. I think he could, you know, become a, a you know, I'm stupid to say this about, you know, a white player just straight up. <laughs> like, I think he's gonna be a guy that works really hard, probably helps out on special teams, um, whatever. But yeah, I I like him in that sense. But like round one hype, round two hype, even the third round, you know, there's there's a guys like I like a lot more than him in this draft. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. You mentioned him not being able to be a vertical threat. Throw a 40 time at me, man. What do you think this dude runs? I think he's going to run slow and people are going to be like, what? If he, I mean, if he pops a four or five, five, I'd be shocked. Yeah. I would be shocked. That, like, yeah, no, he doesn't, this thing, it's like, I expected with all that production, you know, with all the hype coming, because I don't watch, uh, you know, I watch college football in the, in the season, but I don't watch Eastern Washington. <laughs> exactly. That so, red I mean, field. I, 
Right. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. And like this year, I didn't get started. I was last season. I was charting prospects like in the middle of of football season, just because I was working on Saturdays and I didn't have anything else to do. Uh, but this year, I didn't really get to chart any college players during the season all that much. So I've been playing catch up. And then I started Cup after all the Senior Bowl stuff and. I just it, it it's mystifying to me. I don't I don't see it at all. Yeah, you can join me in getting slandered by Eastern Washington fans. There are Eastern Washington fans, and they're on Twitter, and they are. You know quite what's brutal. funny? I, I I tweeted that Youngstown State line. Uh, yeah. Clearly, I, I I work off lines all the time. Um, I'm just workshopping things constantly. But you know, I I tweeted that at one point, and I actually got a lot of responses with like, "What's wrong with the What's wrong with Youngstown State?" I'm like, "Oh, I didn't realize I was going to say something neat to a bunch of Youngstown States fans. My my bad, people." That's I don't even terrific. know what it's <laughs> That's terrific. Uh, another guy who had a big Senior Bowl performance, uh, well, in the game especially, and I thought he was good in the practices too. Zay Jones from East Carolina. Now, some people are starting to put him in round one. I think that's a little wild. Uh, I don't see that, but I thought he was a good receiver. He had a big receiver who, who was precise in his routes. Was he explosive enough? Does he have enough vertical speed to stretch the field and work back to the football? Can he sell vertically and break off routes underneath? Those are my big concerns with him. Kind of a long strider I thought he caught the ball really well outside of his frame in practice I thought he caught the ball pretty well outside of his frame on tape and was pretty good in the air I would say that I liked Zay Jones from viewing him on tape I don't think that I love him compared to what other people like but I thought if this guy goes in round three I can be on board with it watched him at the senior bowl and I thought okay if you're gonna say round two I'll probably slap a round three on him but that's kind of where I saw him curious to hear your thoughts on Zay Jones game and what you saw from watching him on tape yeah, I think you and I are are right on the same page here. Yeah, I mean, your boy Mel Kiper, he threw him up there in round one, and I was shocked. That was that seems nuts to me, but yeah. you know, I think I think the Senior Bowl hype, like you definitely get uh, you get a little boost from that. And I think we're still living in that in that before the combine area when we're still the Senior Bowl is the main thing. We haven't seen these guys at the combine yet, you know, whatever. But I, I like I'm I'm completely with you. I like Zay Jones. Uh, now his success rate versus man coverage and press press coverage was below the average with only 51. That's quite poor. Um, man coverage is right at the, the two-year average at 66.3%, but his success rate versus zone coverage, 81.9%, is quite high. Uh, so I think that he is going to be a player that you move into the slot a lot. You have him play a little bit of flanker, but mostly, again, it, you know, maybe he can be outside in two receiver sets if he becomes a starter. Uh, which maybe he doesn't, and then he shifts into the slot. I think he's going to be a valuable player. You know, I, I tweeted this out. I said I, it's quite easy for me to imagine him having like a Cole Beasley type impact. And you know, I got a lot of response like, "Oh, cool. Well, no thanks then." But you know, Cole <laughs> Beasley, Cole Beasley is a good player. I mean, oh, yeah. he he had a very good year. I mean, he's never going to get. He's never going to be a Wes Welker producer because he's not playing in that sort of offense. But I think if if you take Zay Jones in round three and he becomes you know Cole Beasley or that one of those type of players, I think you're pretty fine with that. But it, I don't see you know round one or two talk from him at all. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one too. I I, li- I like Zay Jones like you said, but I you know I just I don't I don't know if I see enough special traits. I I think his combine performance will be pretty key. I need to see him run pretty well. I think um, you know the smaller school guys I always get really interested in. Uh, what they do at the combine because sometimes it looks like they're faster than they are against certain competition um, unless you're Cooper Cup of course um, J- J- Smith Schuster I'm really curious your thoughts on Juju because it seemed like this I mean a lot of people were talking about this guy as the, you know the number one receiver when he comes out he's going to be at the top of a class 
And, you know, I thought his performance was definitely a little bit down this year. But uh, as a whole, he still has his, his group of fans, I think, for the most part. Um, but I think the luster is kind of worn off with him and not a lot of people seeing him as a round one type of guy. From what we've heard from it sounds like NFL teams, they're not really seeing him as a round one type of guy. I like some things about Juju's game. But I worry about his ability to separate and be, you know, an explosive enough route runner bursting in and out of cuts and things of that nature um, to be a great separator. And then you get to the is he good enough in the air type of territory. What have you seen from his game and how he's graded out so far in reception perception? Yeah, he's a he's a pretty mystifying player. Uh, I think people that very much value age and age adjusted production at the college level are going to really like Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, you know, and for good reason, he's, he's going to be 20 years old, I think as a rookie or, or yeah. just turned 21, whatever. Um, so that's a good thing. You know, he, he does show some flashes, uh, but yeah, to me, he doesn't have the, the route to route consistency that I look for his success rate versus man and zone coverage is, is below, uh, the, the two year average. Um, he does, I think he has a good release move off the line of scrimmage. His success rate versus press coverage is actually above average, but to me, he loses separation the farther he gets down the route. Uh, you know, even, even on short routes too. I mean, just corners catch up to him. He doesn't have that. Like you mentioned the in and out of cut ability. He's not a detailed route runner or anything like that. His contested catch conversion rate is below the average. So he's not like a dominant in air guy that makes you kind of forget about those separation concerns. And also I'll say this, if I would not be like, don't, don't you be shocked. I won't be shocked. None of your listeners be shocked if he measures in less than six, two at the combine. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's, I don't think he's six, two. And I got, I got good reason to think he's not six, two, but anyways, um, I don't think like he, he gets a reputation as a bully because he stiff armed that one guy that one time, <laughs> which was a great play. Let's, let's which was an this. awesome, play. That was awesome, <laughs> which is an awesome play. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't think he's like a bully receiver at all. And I think that, you know, I've, I, I've heard some stuff in terms of his mentality that, that makes me question that anyways, but you know, I won't get into all that. Mm -hmm. So I, I just think that he's, uh, he's just an, he's a very okay guy that I think, you take in the back half of round two or round three or whatever, but you never expect to develop into a, a, a more than a low end starter. Let's talk about Isaiah Ford. And I agree with your points on Smith Schuster too, but let's talk about Isaiah Ford, a uh, Virginia tech kid. I have not actually seen much of him. So, uh, but I know he has some pretty big time fans out there too. Uh, I know that there's some people that really enjoy his game, um, you know, point a lot to his releases and some of the nuances that he shows there. I've watched a little bit of Virginia Tech enough to see him make some eye-popping catches that really caught my eye. I haven't seen enough to know whether that's consistent or not. His, is he dominating contested catch scenarios consistently, or is he more of a flash guy in that department from what you've seen from his reception perception? Yeah, flash guy in that department in the contested catch version to me. He's actually right at the two-year average at 61% contested catch conversion rate, uh, which, you know, he's a smaller – he's a thin – he's definitely looks thin, and I think he's listed at a thin size, so we'll see what he does at the yeah. – what he looks like at the combine. He's another pretty young player. I like to see that. Um, but to me, he's a great separator. He's an awesome route runner. He has the highest success rate versus man coverage in this class at 80%, which is – Second only to Sterling Shepard over the last two years at 82.8%. Uh, his 81.9% success rate versus press coverage. You mentioned those release moves. That's the second best in this class. Uh, he's he's great off the line. He's great in route. 
Um, you know, and I, again, I think that speaks to a really high floor. You, you know, we've get, we've gotten all this hype for these guys like Cooper Cup and Zay Jones is like, oh, they're great route runners. They got really good floors. I, I think Joe or Ford is a player you you throw into your offense, and you know he's already got a master a mastery of a lot of different routes. You know, both short, intermediate, and deep. Uh, come his comeback route is great. I, I think he's going to be a really safe pick. Um, how much upside does he have? I, I, that's a good question. Uh, but he reminds me a lot of a player like Stefan Diggs. And I, I like mm. Stefan Diggs an awful lot. I, I don't know about you, John, or, yes, or any of your listeners. But I, I, well, I actually, what's funny, I, I did not like him as a college prospect at all. But uh, I wasn't doing reception perception back then. He, I also like only watched his, uh, his like senior, his senior year or whatever. So I didn't like him as a prospect at all. But I've loved him at the NFL level. I think he's a great player that's really still, even still underrated. And I think Ford reminds me a lot of what you see from, uh, from the NFL version of, uh, of, of Stefan Diggs. Yeah, that's interesting stuff. I, I, I am really excited about Ford based on what I've seen from him. And uh, your kind of comments there get me excited too because I saw a guy who seemed pretty NFL-ready uh, to me. Um, so I was excited about that with him. Quick, we'll talk about Chad Hansen because I, Chad Hansen's getting um, really varying reviews. I, this guy might be among the draft Twitter you know, people and, and a lot of the draft analysts on there he's getting reviews all over the map. I mean, some people are like, I get the top 40 hype and yada, yada. And other people are like, this guy's like a late day three dude. And so just when I see that disparity, Chad Hansen's another guy I haven't watched at all. So I'm really curious to hear what you thought of him and how he graded out in reception perception. So, yeah, let's start off with something I mentioned earlier, which was these guys only play on one side of the field. I talked about it with Taewon Taylor. Uh, Juju is another one uh, that's one of these players. Uh, Chad Hansen is the most. Uh, that has like the most dis- dispar- like disparity between where he lined up at right wide receiver. He took 97.5% of his snaps in uh, the reception perce- perception sample. Um, that's, that's aggressive. <laughs> that's even more than, that's even more than some guys that were like that last year. Um, it, I don't know, man. It's, Hanson is a tough one to me because he definitely has speed. Uh, I think, you know, DJ has, has indicated to me that he's going to blow up the combine, you know, that he could definitely test well. I think you see, I think you see that speed and athletic ability on tape, but not a good player in contested catch situations at all. His 25% conversion rate on 16 contested catch attempts is the worst I've had. I have the last two years, and I think you see, you know, he does. It appears he has a big catch radius because you see him make some some jumps when he's not disrupted with that are might be what people lead people to think that he's going to blow up the combine or whatever. Um, but not a guy that, that does well through contact at all uh, when when you're talking about making those contested catches. Uh, you know, I, I think he's I think he's got some definitely some intriguing attributes, but top 40. I don't see I think he's a day. I think he's a day three player. I think he's a, and, and you hope and you hope that he develops enough uh, through contested catch situations that he becomes an intriguing deep threat for you. But, you know, to me, I don't I don't see a day two player at all. Interesting. Yeah, he's he's been all over the map, I think, so far. So I'm really excited to get to his tape because I just, you know, like you said, it seems like there a lot of people are attracted to those flashes, like and really latch on to him. And you know, I, when you dig a little deeper, maybe there's some more concerns. Two more guys. You know, I and ask and yeah, sorry, I just wanted one more point on Hanson too. Like, there's there's already that point in that I mentioned that he's only lining up on one side of the field. Which if you're going to want to exploit him tactically as a vertical threat in the NFL, you have to. You can't have that. You need to have him taking snaps all over the different areas of the field. And also, like, 
he didn't he did he wasn't productive at all before this year. He was playing behind a lot of guys that that weren't big time NFL picks last year. Um and I know like the the draft breakdown podcast guys have brought that up a lot and that's a good point and I think you see that a lot in his game. So I, I think he's a big leap of faith to be talking about on on in the first two days. Good stuff. Uh Chris Godwin from Penn State. I don't think a lot of people have said this guy's going to blow the doors off things athletically. But a lot of people have been impressed, and I was impressed watching him a lot live this year, um, that he made as many high degree of difficulty catches as he did. It seemed like Penn State's offense, its points just resorted to YOLO balls and throwing it up to Chris Godwin, and he was able to come down with some some pretty impressive you know, highlight reel-type grabs. But is the snap-to-snap consistency there with him, or is he more of a flash-type player from what you've seen? Well, for one, that Rose Bowl game, Holy hell, that's the best game I, I've charted for any player all year. I mean, that's that was incredible. It was fun to watch live, and then I'd kind of forgotten about it and then went back to chart it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. This guy's incredible. But So he makes a number of fantastic catches, and um, he does show up as a consistent route-to-route player uh, to, to me. Um, you know, he's got an above-average success rate versus coverage score across man, zone, press, double coverage. Uh, he's a guy that – when he's on as a route runner, he's on. Now, he does have some bad games and some bad snaps here and there, but overall, to me, really intriguing attributes. Uh, his contested catch conversion rate at 85.7% is the highest, not only that I have in this class, but also from last class beating Josh Doxton's uh, 85% wow. score by just 0.7%, <laughs> but nevertheless, is still higher. Um, so I think Godwin has all the things that you look for. He checks all the boxes. Uh, I, I'm very, very excited to to see where he goes and what kind of offense he goes into. Cause I do think that he can be a dynamic threat in, in the contested catch game. But I also think he has enough moves off the line of scrimmage. And the fact that I think he got better throughout the year, the further along we got into the college football season, that makes me excited too. I think there's a lot to, to mine out of Chris Godwin. One of my, one of my favorite receivers um, in, in this class. My wife's a Penn State graduate. She'll be really excited to hear that you said that. Um, (laughs) uh, I saved one of the best guys for last. I'm pretty sure you like this guy. Maybe not, and we'll end this on a bad note, and I'll ruin everything. But Carlos Henderson from Louisiana Tech, I am a huge fan of his game. I've watched him more and more recently. Um, I think he's explosive, and I think he has a lot of the traits um, to become an even better route runner than he is right now. But, man, not the biggest receiver per se, but plays really big, uh, I thought, at the catch point and with the ball in his hands after the catch um i think he's gonna test well man i think this guy has not only does he have the ability to step in in a role i think i mean explosive playmaking type threat but i think he also has a ceiling to become an even better player in time what were your thoughts on carlos henderson as you watched his tape yeah love carlos henderson and i mean it's not it's not cool anymore to be a carlos henderson fan because everybody (laughs) apparently is (laughs) but nevertheless i mean this guy's incredible you mentioned he plays bigger than his his size or whatever 13 contested catch attempts 76.9 conversion rate above uh, above the two-year class average uh so he's he's great there his success rate versus man coverage 78.9 percent uh is third in the class very good at separating his success rate versus zone coverage is actually the highest i've ever charted the last two years at 90.5 percent uh and then you know he only faced 27 press attempts in in a weak little conference or whatever uh but 92.6 percent is the best i have i have over the last two years i think he is not only a playmaker but a really good route runner understands releases you can tell he brings intensity into the into the equation, which is great to see. Um, you know, those are kind of anecdotal things beyond what I'm doing from all the charting and all that. But 
yeah, a guy that is 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 absolutely insane uh, when it when it comes to like is the intensity that I think he brings on a snap to snap basis. Mm-hmm. The way he integrates that technique as well. Uh, he also I chart uh, you know breaking tackles in the open field on what I would call in space attempts when players get out in open mm-hmm. space and having to have a, an ability to to break tackles. He broke multiple tackles. Uh, on those in-space attempts on 39.3% of them, which is the highest, again, I have over the last two years. Wow. So, again, crazy playmaker. Guy, I also think, like you said, has a really high ceiling. So, yeah, to me, I mean, I can't say enough good things about him. I'm really hyped to see what he does at the Combine because I think he's going to perform very well there, and the hype will get will get going. It's already kind of gotten going on you know, social media or whatever, but I'm excited to see more NFL teams uh, get into it and to see if he ends up being a, you know, a high second round pick. I don't, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like I said, I think he's got great potential in all areas of the receiver game. I'm only a couple games into him, but did you thought you saw the, the full route tree from Carlos Henderson enough to believe that he could step in and be a big contributor right away? Yeah. So I, I mean, I mentioned, that that's not like a huge thing for me uh what you know whether a prospect right. runs the full route tree or whatever i think that can be a little bit of an like i don't think that that's a you know some people say that that's a negative like for Corey coleman last year like that was a negative point in his evaluation i disagree with that because i think if a player is successful enough on you know dynamic on enough on three or four routes you haven't run those three or four routes and you'd be surprised you know going on a route to route basis with some of these nfl receivers some of the guys that don't run that full route tree at all but that's a it's a fair point to, to bring up about carlos henderson uh so i'll just run through a few of them here like some of the more nuanced routes no comeback routes uh no one percent out routes 2.5 percent corner routes 8.9 percent dig routes which is above uh the the class at or the, above the two-year average but i mean other than that it's mostly slants curls nines uh posts etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah I, that's a fair point to bring up absolutely you know that's something he's gonna have to get better at but i think he does show the technique on those routes and the dynamic playmaking ability on those routes that you have a player that you can get on the field as a as a dynamic big play threat right away and hope that he develops more of those routes along the way before i let you go is it fa- two questions for you is it fair to say that john ross is your wide receiver three right now Yes, I would say so. And after John Ross, anybody else that you like as a round one potential type prospect or and or if not, then who do you like him the most at the beginning of day two? Yeah, I think the, I don't think anybody else is a is a round one player um, unless uh, unless Henderson really blows up the combine mm-hmm. uh, and like shows he's an absolute freak. Then I think he becomes a round one player. Uh, so, I mean, after that, my favorite guys in this class are are Henderson, uh, Ford, who I mentioned, and Godwin. Uh, and I think those guys are round two players. Uh, I, I don't know that anybody else should probably sneak into round one. Nice. Great stuff, Matt Harmon. I made a note right now. Check out Chris Godwin and Isaiah Ford next. Get into their tape in detail. I loved the little bit that I've seen, but now even more excited to check those two guys out. I think they're um, like you said, there's some really intriguing stuff there to work with. So he is Matt Harmon, writes for NFL.com, reception perception creator, doing great stuff at fantasyfootballers.com, doing great work this season. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. He does great stuff on there, always interacts with people, and just is very, very informative follow on Twitter. So, Matt, thanks so much for coming on Locked On NFL Draft, man. Always a pleasure having you here. 
Hey, my pleasure, John. And yeah, definitely. I don't know about I don't know about informative, but I do tweet a lot and I do tweet <laughs> about it. I try to inform about things other than uh, football. You know, I've changed my official title to NFL writer slash tastemaker. Uh, ah, <laughs> so just a fair warning. Diversifying. <laughs> and the good takes really come from your dog, Charlie, anyway. So. Correct. That's fair Correct. to say. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Matt Very Harmon, good. ladies and gentlemen, uh, all, great having him on the show. Maybe we'll have to do it again sometime soon because he just always brings great stuff and really uh, great perspective and data, uh, I think, really in-depth analysis to what is going to be a very polarizing wide receiver class with a lot of disparity because there's so many flavors and there's so many guys we didn't even get to uh, that are, it's going to be very intriguing to see where everybody kind of lines up. And I think the combine could play a big part in that. So great having Matt on the show. Luke and I will be back tomorrow answering your questions um it's going to be a podcast really owned by the fans we're going to answer everything that you guys have thrown at us the last couple days um we're going to do as best we can to give you guys an informative look at the draft uh and get to the questions that you guys have on prospects so uh, as always thanks so much for tuning in guys and catch us again uh tomorrow on locked on nfl draft takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17